December has officially been the deadliest month of the pandemic as COVID-19 became the leading cause of death nationwide. And nobody can wait until 2021. This is America Dissected. I'm your host, Dr. Abdul Al-Sayed. And this week, Dr. Sara Jukaku, a psychiatrist who treats young adults and also happens to be my spouse, joined me to help answer your questions about mental health in hard times. Just a note, we touch on some pretty heavy topics during the Q&A. If you or someone you love is struggling with your mental health this season, help is available. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. My guest today is the one and only Dr. Sara Jukaku. She is a psychiatrist who specializes in mental health among young people and in college mental health. She's also my wife of 14 plus years and my best friend. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) All right. So today's episode is we're going to focus in on some questions from listeners like you. This has been a challenging year, obviously, because of the pandemic and also the, the challenging political year. And then the fact that, you know, we are going into a holiday season that already is the source of of a lot of anxiety for a lot of folks without our loved ones. And so we want to answer some of your questions. So the first question is from Grant. What advice do you have for graduating medical students entering residency in these wild times? How should we mentally prepare? Hi, Grant. Thanks for your question. I think dealing with death as a physician is a totally different experience. I still remember the first death I had to quote unquote call when I was a resident on my medicine rotation. And it's kind of something that stays with you forever. Um, And what I would say in general, as part of preparing for residency is trying to figure out what are the things that make you feel whole and healthy and keeping a plan of trying to engage in at least the bare minimum. So for some people that might be exercise, that might be keeping in touch with loved ones, it's going to be extra stressful for you at this time because not only are you starting as a resident, but obviously we're in a global pandemic and that's going to be much more stress. And I think it's already a good sign that you're thinking about this beforehand, but trying to find out what your program offers and um, what resources you'll get as a resident and, you know, access to therapy or even just group kind of support sessions with your co-residents and leaning on each other, I think is important. And if you need more help than that, finding an individual therapist and other treatment specific to you and not feeling embarrassed to engage in that, because this is a wild time, like you said, it's important to take those steps preventatively. The only thing I'll add, Grant, is it's worth, before you go into the thing, knowing that you're going to go into something really hard, asking what are those things you want you want to keep a part of your life and trying your hardest within the context of a really crazy schedule to try and keep those things um, because they center you to, to who you are. Carolyn asks, my mom was originally going to fly from Chicago to Denver to see me for Christmas. I told her we would be doing a virtual Christmas instead. Now she won't speak to me and thinks I'm overreacting and giving into irrational fear, quote unquote. She hasn't really been taking this seriously from the beginning, despite her being on immunosuppressants. Any advice on how to help her understand that this was necessary, not worth the risk, and in her best interest? So, I mean, I think this is a tough situation, and I think there are a lot of people going through this. And, you know, I I don't envy that conversation. But at the same time, the advice that I often give a lot of people or my patients is that sometimes it's easier to just kind of cut through it all and 
talk to someone's feelings rather than the specifics of the situation. So I would personally approach it from more of a perspective of seeing that like this really sucks for your mom and that you would rather be with her and you hear that, you know, she's going to miss having her daughter there and it's going to be lonely and it's not going to be the same Christmas and that, you know, you're really sad about it too and you wish it were different and that you get her perspective, but that, you know, you really do love her and this is why you're not coming. And I think that would be better than getting into the nitty gritty about the pandemic itself, because I think there are people who are, you know, quote unquote, in denial. But a lot of that is because it's painful to, you know, face that fear of, oh, I'm one of those people who's high risk and I'm the one that everyone's kind of putting restrictions on the most. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I agree with that, Sarah. I think the ability to to ask why she's behaving this way, not just to try and, you know, rebut her feelings, I think is really important here. And, you know, when we talk about irrationality, right, obviously she's saying you're being irrational. We all know the facts that she's being irrational. But, you know, sometimes the, the thing we have to remember is that people aren't rational. Uh, people are are extremely complex and very emotional. And sometimes their emotions don't translate directly. And so, her being cavalier about this may actually be a lot more about uh, an underlying fear that she has. And so being able to dignify that fear and, and also being able to remind her that you really love her and that you wish you could be with her and that you're doing all this so that you guys can be together next year, I, I think is really important. And uh, and so I, I would just say, don't give in to the instinct to try and prove her wrong. Um, that usually doesn't help. Nina asks, what resources should employers and healthcare associations provide to frontline healthcare workers experiencing primary and secondary trauma, burnout and stress, and are in need of emotional PPE? You know, I think that's a really great question to approach it from a systemic perspective. And I personally really hate the word burnout because I feel like it puts the blame on the healthcare workers rather than one, a poor system, and two, like, you know, a culture that might be adding to some of this. And three, like the pandemic that we are in right now. So yes, I do think there is a responsibility that should be placed on the employers and the hospitals and the clinics to try to provide support for those on the front line. And it could be as simple as first addressing it. And instead of just saying, you know, oh, thank you, um, or honk your horns or whatever else it is, but addressing that it's an issue, maybe asking for feedback from those frontline workers and what they're looking to find. And then I think putting more supports in place for the future. I think Part of what's difficult here is that there was already like a dearth of resources when it comes to mental health. And the fact that we are in this pandemic is just bringing that to light and exacerbating it. And so it's tough to imagine how they're going to fix this problem very quickly. But I think even if they just did the bare minimum of like support groups, they could bring in a crisis worker or a therapist or someone to at least do some debriefing, some mindfulness, some skill building around how to deal with this. And I would say that would be the first step. There's much more that's needed than that, but I think that's maybe an achievable outcome for at least now. 
Yeah, what I'll add is that, you know, for a long time, unfortunately, our healthcare sector has taken advantage of the fact that healthcare workers are going to show up for their patients no matter what the circumstances are. And that's really important. It's one of the things that, you know, you you swear to in your oath when you graduate medical school. And one of the things that nurses and, and hospital employees know comes with part of the job. At the same time, though, I do hope that coming out of COVID, we learn a lot about what it takes to empower and uplift healthcare workers, because these folks have been heroes the entire time. And so much of the way that healthcare is organized in America tends to take systematic advantage, even exploit a lot of the labor that makes up our, our healthcare system. And so I, I do think that it is time for a reckoning. Why was it that our healthcare workers were left hanging? Why was it that they didn't have the PPE they needed? Why is it that for too long, uh, we've had to worry about safe staffing ratios for healthcare workers and nurses? Why is it that we are treating these folks as if they're expendable. And we, I think, have to have a reckoning in the healthcare system, bigger picture, so that we are uplifting and empowering and dignifying the sacrifices that healthcare workers make in or outside of a pandemic. We'll be back with more questions and answers after the break. We're back. DJ asks, should people be reminded that it's okay to be sad or to be angry, even if they haven't experienced a death of a loved one? I'd say absolutely. You know, this has been hard for everyone. Obviously, it's been a lot harder for folks who've lost a loved one or for whom their livelihoods have been lost. And I think we need to dignify that. But it doesn't mean that those of us who've even lost small things can't feel sad or feel angry for that loss. At the same time, I hope that we can take that anger and that sadness and think about what it means over the long term and how we make sure that we're investing in a future where something like this doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think, of course, trauma can be relative, but for the person experience it, it's only relative to your past experiences. So this is a very sucky situation for a lot of reasons, and it's turned over all of our lives in an instant. And I think it's okay. And it's actually more normal to feel sad and angry than it would be to not. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as Hawk asks, is our willingness to empathize slowly being replaced with a fervent desire to advance our agendas in preparation for a post-pandemic world? Is this the new face of denial we're witnessing? I think this is an interesting question, but I do think that it is worth in this moment recognizing that empathy, the willingness to sit in someone's pain also has to come with a productive component. It's not enough to just say, I'm really sorry and I feel bad for you. We also have to ask, what can I do to alleviate the pain that you're in within the bounds of what I can do? And when it comes to a public health crisis like this one, the fact that we are dealing with one of the worst pandemic courses in the world is a function of our public policy. And so I actually think that one can empathize. In fact, out of one, one's empathy, we have to prepare for a post-pandemic world and ask, uh, the big picture questions about what ought to be done. People didn't have to lose their livelihoods. People didn't have to lose lives in the number and in the way that we saw. People didn't have to be forced to the front lines of a healthcare response without the basic resources that they needed in the richest, most powerful country in the world. And so I do think that advocating a particular focus on the post-pandemic world in what we learned out of the pandemic is what empathy is made of. Because it's not just about pushing an agenda. It is about advocating for a circumstance where something like this does not have to happen again. Um, and I think we do need to make that connection. 
So Christian asks, any suggestions for clinicians working in the COVID-19 era? Never before have I had the same experience as my clients for such a long time. So this is an interesting question for me because I haven't been in practice that long. You know, I became an MD maybe about five and a half years ago now. And I think at least for me, the pandemic's been humanizing. And I think that it's allowed me to emote with my patients a little bit better, even if it's subtle, like I was just joking with a patient earlier today about how, you know, carbs is one of the few sources of joy during 2020. And, you know, it just makes sense that a lot of people are putting on COVID-19, but that we are in this together. And I think that in some ways there's some beauty in that. But I also think that, you know, you have to be careful and take care of yourself. I know there was a point a couple months ago when I was feeling extremely overwhelmed because not only was I dealing with supporting a lot of people at work in a way that requires more time and energy, but also in my personal life, there's just been so much trauma that like, you know, my friends and family have experienced and trying to support them through that was just becoming too much all at once. And I think putting up some boundaries in other areas might be equally as important and and valuable to making sure that you're still able to do your job well, because that's a crucial resource for others. Vi asks, will a lack of collective mourning and reflection about the death and suffering of this year due to the lack of national leadership mess with us long-term? I think, you know, time will tell exactly how this experience affects all of us over the long term. I think that's an excellent point that we do need to have some collective mourning and reflection about everything that's been going on. I I think we've been doing that informally ourselves without that national leadership. I think I've probably seen some of the best memes that I've seen in a while, and that got us through at least a couple moments. But I'm hopeful that there will be something to address this going forward with a new administration and like uh, much more regular briefings and updates and at least feel like we're kind of going through this all together. I'm hopeful that, like Abdul was saying earlier, that this will kind of be a wake-up call for making sure that we're taking preventative actions towards addressing mental health rather than reactionary ones. Yeah, I also think that, you know, to the point about mourning and reflection, we need to mourn our losses and we need to reflect on them. And we are still in the middle of this. In fact, you know, this is the hardest period of the pandemic. Uh, Wednesday was the worst day of the pandemic yet. And it's been, you know, nearly a year. And so it's hard to mourn something that's not over yet. And so I do think that coming out of this, we are going to have to have a national mourning and a reckoning of what was lost and what happened. And then we need to take our pain and our frustration and leverage it into building a future where something like this never happens again. I think about 9-11 and the idea that folks came out of that saying never again. We have a 9-11 almost every day in America because of COVID-19. And so we have to decide never again. And that means rather than militarizing up so that we can kill people in other countries, it means investing in basic public health infrastructure so we can save people in our own. And that has to be a choice that we make coming out of this. Now, Sarah, I know that the holidays even outside of the context of a pandemic can be a really hard time for people. And then this pandemic has been, of course, uh, such a trauma that we are still suffering through. What do you recommend people do if they're feeling down? You know, I think there is 
an instinct to kind of pull away when you're feeling low or you're thinking, this, what's the point of this? This is not going to be like a normal holiday for the people who are grieving the loss of what would have been a good experience otherwise or the one time to kind of come together. And what I would say is to try as best as you can to put yourself out there and reach out to the people that you love and the people you care about. And, you know, to be honest about how you've been feeling and people really respond well to being genuine about your feelings. And I know it's hard to be vulnerable, but I think that's important. And, you know, if you're worried that going home for the holidays is not only going to put you at physical risk, but is not great for your mental health, if you can manage it, I think taking this time to do what makes you feel whole and better and safe is okay. And I think you'll have an excuse to do that this year. And, you know, if you are at a place where things are getting really bad and you're considering taking steps towards taking your own life, there's always the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. I tried to travel really long and far to, um, to get this interview. So I just really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, um, it's my pleasure. It's definitely an upgrade from the closet that I interviewed in last time. When we were at your parents' house. Yeah. Uh, for folks who don't know, we spent the first three months quarantining in my in-law's basement. Um, we've uh, we've come out of the basement. We are now in our uh, own place, so back in our own place. We were not living in a closet. We Abdul were was just recording in a closet. Uh, so we, we, we started at the bottom. Now we're here. Um, thank you so much for, for, for taking the time. Really, really appreciate, uh, your insights and your perspective. Yeah. Let's go eat dinner. That's it for us. I really hope that this was helpful. Also a very special thank you to Sarah for joining us today, which also happens to be her birthday. Happy birthday, Sarah. And here's to many more. And to all of you, a happy, healthy new year. Let's make good decisions and make sure we get this next year off to the right start. America Dissected is a product of Crooked Media. Our producer is Austin Fisher. Veronica Simonetti mixes and masters the show. Production support from Tara Terpstra, Lyra Smith, and Allison Falzetta. The theme song is by Takeya Suzawa and Alex Sugiera. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and me, Dr. Abdul Al-Sayed, your host. Thanks for listening.